Two Dads, One Puck brings you a double header tonight. We are honored to welcome a couple of unsung heroes in the hockey world. These are not just two of the people who keep the water hard and smooth for your little rink rats, but they also drive a Zamboni with fighter pilot-like precision. Their job skills also include the excitement of event management, marketing, HVAC, and even janitorial duties. Two members of the Wisconsin Ice Arena Management Association and two of the most essential workers we can think of. Welcome to the pod, Brandon Bayer and Pat Newkirk. Welcome, boys. Good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, I should say, you know, not to make light of the essential worker thing because we all know who those are. But uh, if those keeping us safe are uh, 1A, you guys are certainly 1B in my book. So thanks for all your hard work and dedication to the sport. We appreciate it. We appreciate that. Yeah, as no well. worries. Yeah. So, uh, Brandon, you are, uh, Chris and I know you quite well from uh, your work that you do for our hockey association in uh, southeastern Wisconsin here. And, Pat, you come joining us from the uh, Eau Claire area? Yeah, that, that's correct. Chris and I actually know each other all the way back from, from youth hockey. And then on through high school, and here we are kind of bringing our full circle, I guess. Yeah, awesome. And uh, Brandon, you played, I know, in the area here too, collegiately a little bit. And uh, why don't you kind of give us your background on how you got uh, to the big wide world of ice arena management. Yeah, so I grew up playing for Shaw Hockey, which is now a uh, one of the big rivals of our Washington County Association. But uh, yeah, I grew up playing for Shaw Hockey until I was a Bantam and then um, played four years of WIA high school. Um, and then was lucky enough to play some junior hockey over in Cleveland, Ohio, um, and uh, then had a chance to continue on after, after junior hockey and play for uh, Concordia University, Wisconsin, um, which is now playing in the Northern Collegiate Hockey Association. Um, so, yeah, I was fortunate enough to play some college hockey and get a little bit of time actually at Pat's Rink playing against Eau Claire and a bunch of the UW schools. And um, so, yeah, super fortunate to have played – at a pretty high level. Um, and now six years later and 40 pounds heavier, here we are. We're all in that same boat together, brother. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things we want to do is kind of shed some light on, uh, rink manager life. So, you know, if we could bounce it over to Pat first and over to Brandon, just kind of Give us a rundown what an average day looks like. What are some of the things that people may not know? Uh, it's, you know, we know it's not all fun and games riding around on the Zamboni and yelling at kids to stop shooting pucks in the lobby. Uh, so give us some of the, uh, the high points. And uh, Sure. Um, I guess I'll just kind of start right off the bat. I'm getting up at 4 a.m. tomorrow because I have to be at the rink extra early because we have – um, new sets of bleachers being installed in two of our rinks and the work crew needs to get in early because they have a short work week to work with. So that's just one example of hundreds of times where your schedule is really dictated by what's going on in the building. And every day is different. Every week is different. Every time of the year is different. So there's a lot of that that changes. Um, you know, Brandon was talking a little bit about some of the scheduling things that he deals with. And that's a big part of it too. Um, you know, I, I find a lot of my time 
especially with our facility and the age of it and, and kind of the, the stage in its life that we're at, there's a lot of project management, um, planning out, you know, replacements for things and then managing the projects as they're happening kind of on the sidelines while the building is operating and everybody's skating and, and all of that stuff is happening. So, um, it, I don't want to say it's almost like two different jobs at once, but there's kind of like different disciplines that are happening, you know, at different times, depending upon what's going on. Um, then you throw COVID in the mix and it's a totally and completely different animal trying to figure out how to make things work, you know, within the framework of rules that you've got from whatever county that you're in. So there's definitely a lot going on. I would say probably the the coolest thing for me nowadays is being at the rink and having, you know, different people that were kids that we played hockey with growing up that are back that have kids themselves and they're there and they come in and you can tell they haven't been there in years and they go, wow, this place is totally different now. And for me, it's cool to see that and, you know, just know that I'm a small little part of helping things improve over time. So for me, that's probably the the biggest high point, I guess. Yeah, you mentioned something that I think a lot of people forget there, and that's uh, ice arena management is way more than the uh, the sheet of ice. And I know, Brandon, I've had the pleasure of helping you with uh, some of those tasks that go beyond the the sheet of ice. And I've, I've noticed since we've uh, hired some help at our ice rink, you've definitely had a little more jump to your game too with the, all that extra energy you've got now. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, Pat kind of nailed it on the head. I mean, you come to a building, you know, when you first get to the building, you know, it takes a little bit to kind of get familiar with it. And then I think slowly but surely, you just want to try to make it better than the way you came, right? I mean, you, when you leave that facility, you want to make sure that it was uh, in much better shape than when you came. And it's the same situation for me. It's kind of juggling that 50% of facility management, 50% office work, um, a lot of, you know, a lot of face-to-face uh, -face time with our membership. Um, you know, my rank is a little bit unique to Pat's in that it's a privately owned building um, where Pat's is a, a city-run facility, I believe. So, um, yeah, I mean, every single rink manager position is going to be a little bit different because of the way the rink is set up, whether it's due to the ownership, whether it's due to the size of the facility or whatever it may be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just trying to make it better every single day, trying to increase your efficiency, trying to save money with energy efficiency projects. Um, you know, I try to try to put we try to put a, a project in every bucket, you know, so you have your your safety stuff, you have your your um, your more aesthetic things with, you know, redoing uh, bleachers or um, redoing painting or whatever the case may be. And then you have your energy efficiency projects. And yeah, you're just kind of managing all that at once. And um, our facility, when I first got to the building, it was a fully volunteer building besides my position. Um, we had a 10 hour a week uh, office manager um, and then my position. And then every single other position in the building was relied on volunteers. Um, I think slowly but surely at my building, I've been able to show why having a little bit of extra paid staff is going to be so much more beneficial for the building and for the membership. So um, yeah, it's been a super cool process in trying to just improve the building, make things better, make things better for the kids, make things better for every single renter that comes into your building. So it's been a super cool job. Yeah, that's some great insight for sure, guys. Appreciate that. Um, you kind of touched on the uh, 
the publicly funded versus privately funded. And that's kind of a unique uh, dynamic that we're lucky to have on the show here between you guys. Um, so Pat, maybe you can, and Brandon, we'll get to you in a second, but um, give us a general idea of kind of just what the overall cost is. Cause that's one of the things I, I get the biggest fear from other, you know, youth parents wanting to start their kids in hockey or any sport, but it's uh, hockey in particular seems to have the, that high cost of entry barrier. And a lot of that is due to the, to the facilities. So if you can give us a, a little idea, you don't have to give exact numbers, but what kind of budgets are you, are you looking at? Sure. And I mean, this is going to be different. Like Brandon said, from facility to facility, operation to operation, you know, we have three sheets of ice in Eau Claire, whereas there's one where you guys are at. So our budget's going to look completely different just for that fact alone. Um, you know, in a, in an ice rink, typically the utilities are about a third of the overall entire operation. And then you've got another third that would be staffing, you know, if it was a fully staffed facility and then another third would be everything else, your supplies, your insurance, your contracted services, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so those are, I guess you'd call the three big buckets of, of stuff where the money goes. Um, you know, with hockey specifically, you've also got the cost of equipment. And of course, as kids grow, they need new equipment and they can't keep wearing the same thing. So that's a big part of it. Um, one thing that we've tried to do in Eau Claire to help with those cost barriers is in my role as the person managing the facility, I consider it part of my job to make sure that the facility is operating as efficiently as possible. You know, we, uh, and, and I would say also to bring in as much revenue as possible that is from sources other than ice time, because that then is money that the hockey people and the figure skating people aren't having to pay to keep the place open. So operating the facility efficiently means keeping you know, your staff trained and optimized so that everything can happen the way that it needs to and safely um, handling the ice the, the way that it needs to be so that it itself is efficient and high quality. And then also maintaining all of the equipment so that the equipment is operating as efficiently as possible. And then everything is running kind of like a well-oiled machine. Um, on the programming side of things, we've actually what we've done is we gave our our mini mite programming and our in-house programming back to our youth association. We used to run it ourselves back in the day, like when Chris and I played. Um, that's all done by Eau Claire Youth Hockey now. And what the reason we did that is we felt we were best at running the building and they were best at running the programming. So let each group do what they're best at. And then it also opened up some funding avenues. You know, people, people find it a little easier to give money to a youth organization than they would to the city government, for example. And by doing so, Eau Claire Youth Hockey was able to secure some pretty solid sponsorships such that in Eau Claire, uh, Mini Mites is free. And we found that that's been really helpful in convincing the people that are wanting to try it, but concerned about the cost to give it a shot. No commitments, doesn't cost you anything other than your time. 
And then like we all know, you get the kids out on the ice and they fall in love with it and then everything goes from there. So that's something that we've done a few years ago. And um, in those three years since we've done that, we've we've seen the numbers at the base of the pyramid in hockey in Eau Claire shoot back up to levels that they were like um, when Chris and I were kids. And we'll see what happens with COVID, but so far so good. And, and you know, as time goes on, that will lend itself to the higher levels of play as well. You touched on the uh, revenue piece. And uh, one of the things I've often wondered and just comparing and contrasting, uh, having been in both, you know, associations, both rinks, the facilities, I know there's a lot more uh, going on in Eau Claire with the university teams, multiple high school teams. Does that uh, lighten uh, your load as you would uh, probably compare to what Brandon's dealing with, with the smaller association, privately funded? Um, do those revenue streams uh, make a big difference uh, to your bottom line? Um, as far as ice rental goes, I mean, we're in a situation where, you know, we have two full size sheets and a studio sheet, and it's really, really hard to convince people to use the studio sheet, even though it shouldn't be. So I wouldn't say that we're handicapped, but that is a little bit of a challenge there. Um, you know, we're, we're basically over full from October to March. Um, as far as other revenue streams go, like advertising and things like that, I see a situation where I think people in the community would rather give to the team itself or the association itself or the figure skating club itself, rather than pay for dashboard advertising or a logo in the ice or whatnot. I am still able to find people that do that type of thing. And we've got a, a pretty solid side revenue stream from advertising. Now in Brandon's situation, and he'll have to jump in here since it's the association that he's representing, I think that might be you know a little bit easier of a sell for him. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear what he's got to say about that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes things makes things easier um, being a representative of the Youth Hockey Association, who is the, you know, the association that owns the facility. Um, having said that, I mean, we too, we just try to find, um, you know, we just try to find where we're, where we're lacking. Um, you know, when I first got to the building, um, and again, we kind of touched on the fact that our facility was volunteer. Um, and one of the hard things about that initially was just the fact that I couldn't necessarily put anything I wanted on our schedule um, because I had to rely on volunteers to be able to be there and make sure that they could be there to run the facility. So, yeah, I mean, we definitely, it makes it easier for us to, to get that, that sponsorship and that kind of outside revenue from, from advertising and sponsorship because they know that that revenue is coming directly to the rink, which is helping, you know, support youth hockey and every single user group that uses the building. Um, but yeah, I mean, to touch on what Pat said as well, you're just trying to find, find weaknesses. Um, you know, for us, because we were a volunteer, it almost hurt us because I, I didn't have that ability to just put anything I wanted on the schedule um, because of the fact that I had to rely on having, you know, uh, dads drive the Zamboni and make sure that our ice was cut. So, you know, one of the first things that I've pushed for right away at my facility was to, you know, give me a certain amount of money in my budget for year one 
to hire part-time staff to be able to fill in um, blank ice times when we normally would have nothing on the schedule. Um, so I think it's just a matter of just finding that weakness for every single building. It's, it might be different. Um, you know, where for us, it was a, definitely just the, the lack of ice usage, especially during our preseason and postseason. So that's something that having those employees now at the building, I can throw anything I want on the schedule because I know I have somebody there representing the facility and being there to make sure that ice is cut and that we're providing a good, uh, a good ice sheet for our, for our customer base. So, yeah, I mean, definitely just trying to find the weakness of your building and just, you know, make adjustments to that. So I kind of want to draw back on Pat, some of your previous experience and I know Brandon, you've had some similar stuff too, but how uh, does the facilities you're at today, which focus on youth hockey compared to something like the Mariucci um, where you're, you know, dealing with the university of Minnesota. I mean, there's a lot more pomp and circumstance around game days, which is what most people see, but from a day to day, uh, is there a lot of difference between uh, a community, a smaller community facility like Eau Claire or Washington County uh, from a from a large facility like that? Sure. So believe it or not, other than the games, it's not that much different. It's just a bigger building. You know, the and it, it still works this way today. It's like this up in St. Cloud. I know the facility manager up there at the the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center, you know, the Mariucci and Ritter arenas are used for gopher practices and games. And then they're rented just like any other rink on weeknights, starting at 3.30 until like nine o'clock at night. Then you've got club hockey and intramurals in a normal year that might go until midnight or one in the morning. And then you do it all over again during the day. Um, especially over in the cities, you know, there's such a battle for ice time that, um, those two rinks were used as kind of overflow for, for youth associations. So any given weeknight, there would be a handful of different youth associations there practicing. Um, and then on weekends, we'd have youth association games, you know, until a certain time in the early afternoon. And then it would be get things ready for a gopher game. So from that aspect of it, it's not that much different. There are differences in um you know what parts of the facility are available for people to be in you know if you're the washburn youth hockey association renting ice at seven o'clock at night you're basically getting the ice time in, in a locker room whereas during a gopher game the entire facility is open the concourse is open concessions are open the club room is open and all of that so a little bit different in that regard but Ultimately, it's still the same thing. There's still an ice plant and a sheet of ice and an ice resurfacer and the rest of the parts of the building that make everything happen. So it's just what you do to fill up that time might be a little different. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of the, the education or background you guys have to have to, to do something like this. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot more than just answering a, an ad in the paper and just show up on time every day and you get to keep your job. Um, there's a lot of, I know you guys do a lot of training and uh, some of the, you know, kind of support system you have with the Wisconsin Ice Arena Management Association. Um, can you give us kind of an idea uh, what that, what that all entails every year? Yeah. So um, Pat, Pat and I both are on the board of directors for the Wisconsin Ice Arena Man Management Association. 
Um, and it's a member-based association that is in charge of um, just trying to educate rink management in the state of Wisconsin um, as much as we possibly can um, and, and every facet of the building management. Um, so we, um, we've offered educational classes uh, from the U.S. Ice Rink Association um, from anywhere to promotional and marketing stuff on how to make your programs more successful and how to bring in more people into your building, um, all the way to how to manage a sheet of ice, how to install a sheet of ice, how to um, manage your efficiency with your ice plant. Um, so yeah, we do educational classes. Um, we host a spring conference every year, typically. Obviously with COVID stuff, we had to cancel last year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, right now with COVID stuff going on, we host um, what we're calling Wake Up With Wyama where it's a Zoom conference call similar to what we're doing now. And we basically just come up with topics and just try to keep everybody engaged. Um, obviously right now, a lot of the discussion has been, um, you know, what, what other rinks are doing, whether the ice is in or not. Um, how are they keeping things clean? How are they making customers feel comfortable coming into the building with the virus concerns? Um, so yeah, it's been a super cool opportunity for me to get involved. It's a lot of networking. You get to troubleshoot things that you may have going on at your facility that, that, you know, a guy from across the state might have that exact problem. So it's been cool to, to be able to, to be able to use from the other rank managers to, to potentially help solve problems that you might be having at your facility. So yeah, Pat can kind of give a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, Brandon, you make a good point. I mean, the reality is we all face the same problems at some point or another, regardless of the size of the facility or what goes on there. I mean, an ice rink is, it, they're all basically the same as far as the building is concerned, the differences in how they're used and how they're staffed. So um, like Brandon said with Wyama, you know, our one of our other goals is the networking aspect of things and keeping people connected and sharing ideas. Um, so that's been going really well for us. And we do have some plans for moving forward, how we're gonna kind of navigate with COVID and, and try to keep the educational aspect of things moving without necessarily being able to bring people together from all different parts of the state in a physical location. So we're working on that too. Um, I'm also involved in another organization, the, the U.S. Ice Rink Association. You can probably see from my background there. Um, got involved with those guys back in 2016. Um, I was taking classes and then they approached me about being an instructor. And um, I've been teaching a refrigeration class for them. I've taught an ice maintenance and equipment operations class and also a safe ice resurfacer operations class for them. So that's kind of given me an avenue to to do some national networking and get an idea of how things go in other parts of the country. And, you know, Wisconsin's got kind of its own little unique atmosphere in the rink world. And then depending upon if you're in the Northeast or down South or out West or Minnesota is kind of its own animal. It, the rink world is a little bit different in the country everywhere you go. I mean, one of the things that I always get a kick out of is talking about um an hour of ice and what that costs for people and as much as it hurts to say this i think people from wisconsin would be a little shocked to find out that our ice is actually pretty darn cheap compared to the rest of the country um 
I just talked to a guy the other day that their ice is like $400 an hour. And that's more than double what ours is. And I would guess probably something similar for, for you guys uh, down where you're at. So it is fun to be able to interact with people from all over the place. And these organizations, you know, help Brandon and I do that. So we're glad to be a part of that. Yeah, and the U.S. Ice Rink Association also has a certain, uh, has a couple of different professional designations. Um, so um, Pat actually might be able to explain it a little bit better, but uh, we have the ability to become um, CITs, which is a certified ice technician, um, CRA, which is a certified rink administrator, I believe it stands for, and then uh, the CIRM, which is a certified ice rink manager. So um, we can do educational classes um, you know, you could do as many classes as you possibly want to every single year, um, but it takes six classes to be able to have the fully, uh, the full designation of certified ice rink manager. Um, so I think, uh, Pat, I believe is a CIT. I think I'm only one class away from having the, uh, the highest certification. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is neat that the U.S. Ice Rink, ice rink Association provides um, you know, at least some sort of professional designation for guys like us who, you know, people come to the rink and they joke around, oh, they've got the easiest job in the world. And, um, you know, they, you know, while that's, while that's, it's a fun job, it's, there's a lot of cool opportunities and a lot of cool people you get to meet. It's still a job. It's still a career. Um, and you still need to be educated. You still need to, to, to learn as much as you possibly can on a, on a yearly basis to try to improve your efficiency and just make your rink better. So yeah, the USA strength association provides a lot of great opportunities for us. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if I may, I'd like to kind of talk about the education aspect of it a little bit. I, I kind of stumbled into this, you know, I was just looking for a job in college at the U and I don't know how I lucked into it, but I saw on the student job website that they were hiring for, student Zamboni drivers. That was literally the job title. So Chris, you can imagine how fast I called to get an interview for that job. And that posting was open for probably like six hours. And I got an interview and the interview was at 6 a.m. the next day. I think I, I'm convinced that was a test. And then the next test was find the office inside the arena with nothing other than the room number. So I figured that out, you know, ace the interview I'm a hockey guy I've, like I'm not gonna not get this job right and then everything kind of went from there so uh, once I got into it for about a year I kind of decided yeah you know I really like this and I want to do this for real so I asked my boss and the arena manager like what should I do to set myself up to try to get one of these jobs and they both told me to get a parks and rec degree so I changed my major to that ended up getting a parks and rec degree and I worked at the rink basically full-time all through school until I graduated. And so I always tell people that my experience is what is really what got me my next job, but I had to have the degree to be able to get it. And then once you're in the job, the professional education stuff that Brandon and I are talking about is the next level. Um, Brandon, I did actually just get my certified ice rink manager certificate today. Um, awesome. Yeah, so. Well, congrats. Thanks. I, it only took me 16 years, but that's okay. Yeah, I believe um, the, the term is not a big deal. Cheers. Yeah, thanks. Cheers to that. Right. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, like Brandon said, there's the CIT designation, which is certified ice technician. That's actually recognized by the NHL. Um, they require that all NHL facilities have a certified ice technician. So it's a pretty big deal in the operation side of things. There's a lot of people that seek out that certification. Um, and it is something that's actually, you know, you, you go look at job descriptions for full-time ice rink positions and you're going to see certified ice technician or a certified ice rink manager, depending upon the level of position. And then the certified rink administrator is more of the management type stuff. There's a programming class. Um, there's a human resources class. And then there's also an operations and risk management class. And those three classes give you the certified rink ad administrator um, certificate. If you take the operations classes, which are basic arena refrigeration and ice maintenance and equipment operations that I teach, and then also ice making and painting technologies, you get the CIT. If you have both, you become a certified ice rink manager. And there's, I want to say there's only a couple hundred active certified ice rink managers, like total. Um, the CIT designation, you have to recertify every five years. So there is a continuing education component to it as well. Um, and honestly, it's not something that, you know, once you get it, 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 it seems like within the industry, there's a lot of turnover. So there's, you know, people that come in and are in the industry for a few years and then move on to something else. And then, you know, other new people come in. So that education piece is definitely really important. So it's, it is a lot more than just driving a Zamboni. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, here's one of the questions I have for you guys that I know you've got to have some good answers and maybe some that aren't, aren't fit for a, uh, a podcast, but we'll cut those out if those are the real answers. What is like your biggest pet peeve from hockey players or parents? Go ahead, Pat. I'm trying to think of which example I want to use. Um, honestly, it's probably having the attitude that they're the most important thing in the in the world or the building or at the time, um, you know, I get it. It's really expensive and everybody's put in a ton of work and done a lot of practicing and, and all of that. But ultimately like we're all a smaller part of a bigger picture. So I, I think for me, probably, sometimes some of the attitudes that parents and coaches and kids can have, um, you know, in, in 16 years doing this, one of the things that I've found is the parents who are the difficult ones to deal with, it just magically turns out that their kids are also the most difficult to deal with. I don't know how it works that way, but it always does. Um, so we can usually tell pretty early on in a year, when the season gets started and, you know, if a particular coach or set of parents has given us some problems then sure enough, those kids are also the ones that we're going to have issues with all year. So we've gotten pretty good at kind of figuring that out on the front end and kind of nipping it in the butt a little bit, but that's probably my biggest pet peeve. Yeah, I think for me, uh, for me, I think one of the biggest pet peeves at my building is just the lack of, um, or sometimes the lack of, of really appreciating the history of the building, I think I would say. Um, 
you know, because of the fact that we, we were a volunteer association from the second that that rink was built, um, you know, back in, I believe it was 95, um, you know, they didn't even have a full-time rink manager. They ran every single aspect of that building, um, of our building as a volunteer association. And I think, you know, oftentimes I think we, we forget that we forget how much work our volunteers that came before us put into the building every single day. Um, you know, before we had the, the luxury of having part-time employees and before we had the luxury of, of even having a full-time rink manager. So I think that's one of my pet peeves is to, you know, to not acknowledge the past and how much work um, that our previous membership have, has done to, to make sure that our building is, is something that's really important for our community. So um, I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves, I think. And those, uh, those crazy eight U mites running around screaming their heads off all night. Oh, those kids are assholes. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll piggyback on what Brandon said a little bit. And I, I would also add like just a general lack of the, the building itself. And it's like, I'm listening to myself say this and then having flashbacks, all the dumb stuff that I did in the ring that I now manage. <laughs> so I totally like, I get it. I was that kid. Um, but it just blows my mind. Sometimes the stuff that I see kids do that I see parents see the kids do that. It's, it's, it's just like, there's not even an acknowledgement that, you know, Hey, we have to clean that now or, Hey, we have to fix that now, or, Hey, we have to repaint that now. And that costs us money, which means we're going to charge you more. So let's all work together to make all of our lives easier. And not only will it cost us less, but then the place will look nicer for it. And it's your home. So treat it that way. If I thought like that, when I was a kid, man, who knows where I'd be right now, but maybe it's just punishment for time served i guess karma's a bitch eh <laughs> so yeah and, and based on that right so you talked about the the pet peeves but and it tends to be you know parents kids both but how often do you guys actually get thanked by parents coaches kids uh trying to remember it i don't want to make it sound that bad but you it it's just the way it goes you you hear complaints and you know no news is good news on the positive side so you the way i look at it is you know things are going well when you don't hear anything from anybody and then you'll get the occasional complaint about something or whatever or the little some incident that pops up but you just got to kind of keep in the back of your mind that you know People are so busy, they're in and out of the building so fast, based on an hour, an hour and 15 minute ice time that there's really not a lot of time that people have to go, oh, hey, thanks for doing a great job on that ice cut or, you know, the locker rooms look really nice today. That's, we know that stuff's not going to happen. So we just, as managers, we got to kind of keep it, you know, in the back of our minds that people deep down really do appreciate it. And I think for me, the little satisfaction that I get out of it is that, you know, I know what it took to make that stuff happen. And so that's what keeps me going. Yeah, I think same thing. I mean, I think people don't, uh, it, it's just the, the thought process that, oh, it's just a rink manager. You just, 
you cut the ice and you, you know, you sweep a few locker rooms and that's basically it. And, you know, I've had complaints like, Hey, you didn't do the locker room assignments for today. And, you know, that's the one thing that they complain about, but, you know, they don't realize that, you know, I was just able to stop a, a potential refrigeration leak, or I was able to fix a problem that might've just saved our ice from having to come out, you know? Um, so I think, you know, again, what they see is on the outside, what they see is the locker rooms, what they see is all that aesthetic things, but they don't realize sometimes how, how important it is and how the stuff that just goes behind the scenes that they don't realize, you know, I have volunteers come and help us do an ice install every single year that they, they, they just come to me and they go, Holy cow. Like I, I didn't realize how, how intense it is just to make a sheet of ice and how to put a sheet of ice in every year, you know? Um, so I think it's, you know, I think one, you know, and, and having that volunteer, I think side of it actually helps with that a lot. Um, I tend to probably get a little bit more thank you than, than a guy like Pat does, but um, you know, because we're volunteer, the, the people are a little bit more in tune to what's going on and, and the amount of effort that it takes to run just one simple program, you know, the amount of effort it takes to run one try hockey free event um, on a weekend, you know, I think people see that a little bit more up close when they're a volunteer association. So um, yeah, I probably tend to get a little bit more thank you than Pat does, even though it's, it's definitely warranted on, on Pat's side of things too. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just the lack of, of really the then, then you throw in the fact that I would technically work for the government and I've got like nothing going for me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was going to say Brandon probably gets chirped a lot more too. I mean, I've chirped him plenty of times for stuff like, Hey, what locker room are we in tonight? Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. You, you bring that up. Like I, like in the, my job, the, you know, I, I couldn't tell you what's going on on a given day at my rink on the ice schedule. Like I have to go look it up and I'm the person that made the schedule, but that's because my mind is completely elsewhere on other things. And so I always get a kick out of people when they ask me, like I'll get a random phone call and it'll be who knows. And what time is the PWB practice on Tuesday? It's like, I have no idea. Give me a second. I got to pull the schedule up. I don't have that in front of me right now. Well, how can you not know that? It's like, well, uh, the PVB team is one of like 40 teams that we have skating here. And that it, that's like how big the picture is sometimes. And it, we don't necessarily have everything in front of us at the drop of a hat at any given time. And like Brandon said, things happen. And especially with a building and a mechanical system, keeping the ice frozen, things can kind of come up, you know, without warning and then you immediately have to drop everything and go deal with them and so the time management is also a big part of it too like you you got to be able to put those fires out as they come up but also know in the back of your mind what you know what time of day you're at and what needs to be getting done and when based on the next things that are happening so that can be a big challenge too See, there you go, folks, for all you parents listening out there. Next time little uh, little Johnny's playing uh, shinny where he shouldn't be in the hallways or leaving his tape wads next to the trash can, think about the guys that got to pick that shit up and wipe those walls down. You got to maybe once in a while say thank you. Thank you. I know we uh, 
<laughs> I know we certainly appreciate all the the hard work and and the effort you guys put in because it goes way beyond, uh, like we joked about just driving the Zamboni. So, um, and Brandon, you're right. There's a lot more. I think with the a volunteer run program like we have at our rink, people see a lot more of what goes on. And and you mentioned the uh, the ice rink or the ice install process and. Uh, give us an idea of what that entails every year. I mean, just the just the time and the man hours and all the little jobs that have to get done. I mean, you're not just sticking a hose and, and filling a pool up a couple inches. Yeah, I mean, we uh, you know every single year we have to do the maintenance on our facility. We have a we're seasonal, obviously at at Washington County, so we have um, we have a few extra months that Pat probably doesn't have usually a normal year to, uh, to go ahead and do our annual maintenance. So we, we dedicate a lot of money every single year, um, to just a general facility or just a general ice plant maintenance. Um, so doing, uh, doing rebuilds on our compressors, um, you know, doing brine sample analysis, refrigerant, you know, refrigerant, uh, testing, um, you know, whatever we need to do every single summer to make sure that we can guarantee that our plant can run efficiently as possible, for the entire next season is something that we tackle um, in the middle of the summer when we have our ice out. Um, and then, uh, you know, for the ice install process, it's, you know, we, we tend to make our ice, of course, start to just drop the temp of the concrete when it's, you know, 90 some degrees out. So you're having to run an ice plant uh, when it's, you know, 95 and the humidity is a hundred degree, hundred percent. And, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we try to get, we have a concrete slab, um, I believe are both of your sheets concrete as well, Pat, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, all three of them. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we take about a week. Um, I try to drop our concrete uh, temperature pretty slowly over the course of a seven day period, just to make sure that we're not dropping that concrete temp too quickly. Um, even though our concrete has been poured and is the same sheet for the last 20 some years. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then, um, we do a couple, we do 10 to 15 coats of water on top of our concrete. As soon as we get the, the concrete down to the right temperature, um, we typically run our concrete temperature at about 17 degrees. Um, that makes our refrigerant temperature need to be about 14 to 15 degrees in order to, to get that concrete temperature where we need it to be. Um, and then we do what's called the layer of skim ice, which is um, or what I call skim ice, which is your, your, your initial bond with the concrete. Um, so you put really, really thin layers of water down. It freezes basically instantly to the concrete. Um, and then you mix a white powder-based paint and you actually paint your ice white. Um, so we, this year, I think I did four coats of white paint on our sheet. Um, and then you have to seal in that white paint with more ice. And then you got to paint and do all the hockey markings. Um, and then comes the logos and that, you know, that's all done in a matter of uh, a half of inch of ice before you can even start really building your sheet um, so that the kids can safely skate over all those, the beautiful, uh, the beautiful logos and lines and stuff. So yeah, it's a big process for us. It takes between dropping temp and putting in a sheet of ice, it takes about a two, two weeks for us. Um, I'm sure Pat can kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, relatively close to the same for us i mean for me it starts with the work that you have to do to prep the space before you even begin to start cooling it because there's 
a lot of stuff that you need to do. You need to make sure, obviously Brandon talked about the ice plant part of it, making sure that's working, but you also need to make sure your dehumidification is working. You need to make sure that your space heat is working. You need to make sure that your ice paint equipment is working because everything kind of has to happen on a schedule over those two weeks and you can't progress to the next thing on the schedule until the one before it is done. And all of that has to be done on time to be able to meet the first ice time on time. So it's this big, long, giant schedule over and over and over again. So I'm a really big checklist guy. Um, we're actually going to be cooling a rink down starting on Friday to paint on Monday to skate on Sunday the 20th. And so myself and the other people that are currently working right now, I have stuff typed up for each day. Like this has to get done today so that that can get done tomorrow so that that can get done the day after all leading up to starting to cool the rink on Friday um, and then painting on Monday and then Tuesday through Saturday flooding and prep and then Sunday the 20th we'll be skating on it. Um, you know that I go a little bit thinner on the amount of water we put down before we do the white paint. That's just a personal preference thing. Um, I, I like to keep the logos a little lower just because that way they're closer to the floor and with, you know, as many ice cuts as we have to do in a given year. Plus we have, um, you know, high level high school and college hockey on it. There are times when our ice might be a little thinner than we would want it. And so if our paint is higher up closer to the surface, we run a little bit more risk of it melting and smearing around. So for me, I like to keep that paint right down tight to the floor to keep it colder. That's just a personal preference thing though. There's nothing wrong one way or the other. Um, and, but like Brandon said, it's, it's a lot of time and you know, it's a good solid week of work once you actually have the floor cooled down to get it built and then, and then obviously you start skating. It's just, it's amazing. You spend your whole life uh, in a rink and you think you know what's going on and then you listen to the in-depth detail that it takes to go to prep that. And and even now, um, you know, having grown up in Eau Claire and, and skating in the facility and it was always good to go ready, you know, obviously remember practices in high school where we skated down to, I swear we were hitting concrete at times. Um, but then coming down, to Washington County to the different rank and being able to compare and contrast and see, you know, the, the effort that goes into it, the volunteer time, uh, you know, just to get ready. I mean, this year was like Brandon said, 95 degrees out and then we're getting ready for a tri hockey free event. You know, the ice hadn't even actually been cut at that point, if I remember right, Brandon, uh, but those kids went out there. Um, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> We finally moved to fabric logos uh, and uh, the printing company that we went through printed the wrong color logo. So we actually got uh, stalled for a day. So normally when I'd have a full day to put a blade on the Zamboni and actually just start, you know, shaving the ice and kind of leveling things out, we kind of just had to throw the kids on a fresh sheet of ice that really even hadn't even had a, a blade on it yet. So um <laughs> Come on, Brandon. You mean you couldn't flood overnight? And no, not with a ten-month-old at home. So, um, but uh, yeah, no. I mean, it's it's the same thing. I mean, it's um, and people don't realize too the amount of work that goes into making sure that your water water quality is good. You know, one thing that we invested in a couple of years ago was a industrial reverse osmosis system, which 
um, really improved the clarity of our ice. It improved um, the ability to run it at a little bit warmer of a temperature. Um, you know, the cleaner the water for us, the better, um, the better it freezes, the better it looks as well. So yeah, there's like, like Pat said, there's just so much that goes behind the scenes that people just don't get in, you know, the testing of that water every single day, the, the checking of the refrigeration plant. Um, you know, we invested in security cameras now where I actually have the ability to take a look and actually look at the refrigeration panel that we have at our facility whenever I, whenever I need to. Um, as long as we've got good cell phone service, I can check the ice plant and see what my numbers are. Um, you know, that was a, a cost-effective way for me to be able to check our ice temp at any time. Um, you know, obviously, if you have millions of dollars, you can invest in these, you know, very, very um, automated systems. And, you know, I think just as rink guys, we just try to find, you know, find a way to, to get the job done and maybe not have to spend millions of dollars on certain things. But, you know, it's just a matter of, um, finding the priority and just focusing on that and trying to improve your efficiency. And I think, uh, you know, Pat is obviously teaching the U S ice ring classes is such a huge resource for me. And, uh, I can't tell you the number of times I've bugged him on the phone asking questions. And, um, that's just what the rink guys do. The, the, the cool thing is, is we don't really compete against each other. Um, you know, because, you know, our Waha, the Wisconsin amateur hockey association kind of governs us and we have a set territory where we can, where we can, you know, go market our programs to these parents and these kids. So um, the nice thing is, is we don't really compete, you know, because we don't, we can't really steal kids from other associations. So it's kind of nice in the fact that, you know, we can, we can vent and we can uh, share ideas and, and complain to one another once in a while uh, over a drink or two and just, <laughs> just kind of talk and share ideas. So it's a super cool, it's a cool culture and there's a lot of really good people in it. What could you guys possibly have to vent about? Come on, you get the greatest, easiest job in the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you wanna, you wanna get up at four a.m. with me? Hard pass, hard pass. Uh, no, I'll be doing that to get my kid to practice, <laughs> just so I can show up and bitch about the ice. Well, uh, <laughs> guys, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, we really appreciate you going into depth and uh, giving that background on everything. Um, being real candid with us and, and sharing your experiences. Um, we hope that uh, all your parents out there listening, take this to heart and, uh, you know, give your rink manager a nice big hug. Uh, if they don't like hugs, maybe buy them a beer sometime. Um, but if nothing else, just give them a good thanks. Um, let them know you enjoy the clean facility and uh, that things are always running smoothly. So again, thank you guys for joining us on the show tonight. And, uh, we hope you have a good season yeah, this year. Yeah, thanks, guys, for doing this. It's a, yeah. a cool opportunity for for hockey parents that really understand how much goes into it, and um, it's awesome for you guys to be able to do this and kind of share the story. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. I I would just take picking up a couple tape balls. That's all. <laughs>